Hey, this is Double J, Jeff Jarrett, WWE Hall of Famer, and you're listening to the My One Two Three Cents Podcast. It's my personality to be jittery. It's part of my charm. Wrestling fans, are you ready? It's time for my one, two, three cents of the podcast on the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network. Give me the hell yeah! Now, here's your host. The man is also a very long, dear, personal friend of mine. Does the guy have a name? Yes, he has a name. Kevin Huntsberger. Woo! Hey friends, welcome to episode 462 of the My One Two Three Cents podcast. Uh, my name is Kevin Huntsberger, and I'm glad to have you here with me this week, either on YouTube or over at jitterymonkey.com, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, uh, the podcast is available, and I encourage you, as always, to leave a review and let me know what your one, two, three cents is on my one, two, three cents. Um, and I will tell you today, as I'm recording this on Sunday afternoon, it's the, the end of a very busy week and the eve of yet another busy week um, professionally for me. Um, got some things going on at work, some very big projects that are kind of all coming to a head this week. And so I'm a little anxious about that, but uh, I'm trying to get everything set up and, and record. Uh, it's homecoming week this past week for my daughter's school. She's a senior this year. And we uh, were wrapping up the dance and, and the football game on Friday night, the dance. And then we had uh, some some kids over last night and it was just kind of a you know today has been a, a crazy day as far as getting things cleaned up and prepped and then ready for next week and as I was sitting in 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 the spare room um getting ready to put this week's podcast together um you know I, I usually have next to me a cup of water Quattro's cup here in southern Illinois if you live in southern Illinois you know all about Quattro's and actually had dinner there over the weekend, but telling you all this to say that I usually have my cup sitting here next to me on the floor. And inevitably the last few weeks I get up from, from doing the podcast. And the first thing I do is kick the cup. And last week it didn't spill, but usually it does. So this week I'm like, I'm going to put the cup on the other side of me. So I don't get up and spin out of the chair and knock it over. And I'll be damned if it's in my prep work here, getting everything set up and ready to go. Uh, the camera angle didn't look right. So I turned this way. And as soon as I did, I kicked the cup. And this time I did knock it over. So I had to go refill. So anyway, it's been a process getting to this point. But I'm glad to be here and glad to be talking about uh, the world of professional wrestling with you. And again, leave a review. Uh, good, bad, or indifferent. I'd prefer five stars, but you know, whatever's on your mind, whatever you think, whatever you feel this podcast deserves. Um, you know, they, they say that the, uh, the comment section does help with the algorithm and, and all that good stuff. So I got to believe it's true because a lot of the, the big guys out there, if you will, um, are getting those weekly reviews, daily reviews. Um, so if you wouldn't mind taking a minute or two out of your day, and just leaving a review of the show. 
I do want to mention the My One Two Three Cents uh, Wrestling Action Figure Drive. Um, this past week uh, marked what would have been my mom's 73rd birthday, and I wrote a blog uh, kind of reminding people of good things, things that they can do to pay it forward, to help others, to just be a better person, make the world a better place is, I think, what I actually uh, I think I named the blog Ways to Make a Difference. And one of the things I did in there was put in a cheap plug for the toy drive. And an old friend of mine, someone I've known for probably at least 40 years, uh, definitely more than 40 years, uh, my, my buddy Brent, and I don't know if he wants to be completely uh, called out, so I'll leave it at that. But he uh, Venmoed me a hundred bucks uh, in my mom's memory and and for the toy drive. So I set a lofty goal this year of 300 toys. This was before I knew that the uh, Stride Pro Wrestling would kind of be going away and that my involvement in Stride would not be uh, what I had done in, in years past. So the Stride shows were always big. Denny Howell, shout out to him, uh, always gave big. So I'm hoping that I'm able to find folks to donate and give uh, you know, even if it's just a few bucks to go out and then purchase a wrestling figure. So again, uh, and I think I exposed myself in the episode there. I talked about in Christmas, Christmas in July episode, uh, not literally exposed myself, but I did let Hunter Woodworth know that, uh, I fabricated the numbers of the toy drive two years ago where he had to shave his head. I said, if we reached 250, uh, and Hunter agreed that he would shave his head, we fell short of that by about, 20 toys. Um, and I, I fibbed. I, I, uh, I wrestled it, if you will. I WWE inflated the numbers. I AEW inflated the numbers. Yes, they both do it. It's fine. Um, but anyway, it, uh, I ended up getting it more. I think it was a legit 200 and I think it was 223 or 232. I don't remember the exact number. And I said that we got 252. So this year I do, I am hoping for a legit 300 uh, wrestling figures. So um, I have a handful here. Um, I do have a box set up at Castle Perilous in Carbondale, Illinois. So you can drop off a donation there or Venmo me at Kevin hyphen Huntsberger. And you can message me as well on social media and I can, I can hook you up with that information. So in the uh, the era of busyness here, and I feel like life is just turned into that. It, there's always gonna be something going on. Um, and I am taking a little time today to do the podcast, but I didn't really have a topic in mind. I didn't have a subject in mind. Um, I have some in, on the back burner that I'm, I'm wanting to do, but you know, again, just syncing up and pairing schedules with other folks, it, it's difficult. So I just decided to make this one and ask my one, two, three cents, got several great questions. So um, I will get to those and uh, just throw out uh, opinions. And some of these things I've talked about before on the uh, Give Me a Minute series on YouTube. So if you haven't already, go to youtube.com slash my one, two, three cents, subscribe there. Now, if you're watching this podcast on YouTube, then you're already there. But if you're listening, I encourage you to go. And those are bite-sized, minute-long, you know, 60-second clips uh, of different wrestling topics. And there's a question in here this week where I tackled that issue. So I'm going to expound more on it than just the 60 seconds I had allotted myself uh, probably about a year, maybe a year and a half ago on that topic. So uh, first question comes from Greg Mahatko, who is the founder of the Didgeridoo Monkey Podcasting Network and asks if I'm excited about an upcoming collaboration with the guys at Nerd United. And that, of course, is Greg Mahatko's podcast, Nerd United, along 
with his co-host, Mike Luther. Uh, so be sure to check that out here on the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network. They also have a YouTube channel, so check it out, uh, Nerd United. But uh, Greg messaged me earlier in the week and had asked if, if this week uh, I would be available to record an episode for uh, Nerd United talking about wrestlers on Netflix. And I just, you know, again, that syncing up of schedules is difficult. And I, this past week was not going to work. So we're going to try to make that happen uh, later this week. And that show would probably drop over the weekend. So uh, be sure to check it out. We'll be talking about wrestlers and probably a few other things. But uh, that Netflix series, if, if you haven't watched it, um, and I guess this will be kind of a spoiler for what is about to come, but obviously we'll expand on it much more. Uh, check it out. If you have access to Netflix, definitely check out. Uh, that series because it is it is well worth the seven ish hours that uh, you're going to invest into it. So uh, Ken Johnson, who I've talked about here on the podcast in recent months, uh, has been uh, super supportive of the brand since day one. I think I think Ken has been a is an OG, if you will, uh, with my one two three cents, but really has been digging into the podcast and uh, will message me and and send notes of encouragement, which I greatly appreciate. Uh, and he has a handful of questions, so let's get to those. Uh, he asks what the real role of a referee is. And how hard is it? Um, you know, when when I was with Stride Pro Wrestling, I know that part of the training that went on there uh, is for referees. Now, there's not uh, specific referee classes, but everyone trains. You know, if you're going to be a wrestler or manager at Stride, this was the case. And I, I would imagine other indies work this way and and maybe even OBW, you know, the companies that I imagine they all probably do this. And if I'm speaking out of turn, Someone please uh, let me know, but they are there uh, training just as the wrestlers do. You know, um, they are working to take bumps and, you know, get in there and, and you know, do things. I, I remember very specifically back in 20, I want to say 2009, maybe early 2010, um, I think, I think it might've been 2010. I think the, my one, two, three cents uh, blog had just started so it would have been like fall of 2010 so about 13 years ago um, I had been asked to referee at an indie show in I think it was Fairfield anyway it was here in southern Illinois but kind of north uh, northeast of where I live um, but I had been asked to come up and ref because I had interviewed the organizers it was a it was a show they were doing for like uh developmentally disabled folks. It was a fundraiser show. And I had interviewed them on the morning show that I used to co-anchor. Um, and they had asked me if I would be willing to come up and referee a couple of matches. And so I said, sure. And at, at that point, my only experience in the ring, uh, anything to do with wrestling was doing some ring announcing for IWA Mid-South back in 2005. So it had been about five years since I'd done anything. So I get there and, um, you know, they, they were going over one of the matches and this is, I, I'm selling all of this to kind of put Ken's question into context of the role of the referee and, and how hard it is. Um, and they asked if I'd ever taken a bump before. And of course, at that time I had not, I had never, you know, other than that ring announcing stuff had really never been in a ring. And, and so, 
Um, and they didn't want to, you know, take any chances of doing things. So I was going to just be distracted and, and the bad guys were going to do their thing. So, uh, but, there, you know, during the course of the match, it is difficult because you are trying to, and again, I'm not a trained referee. So I consider myself in that circumstance more kind of a special guest referee. So you, you don't know the nuances and you don't know everything that you need to know. But as a referee, you know, you are there uh, a lot of times, you know, in, in WWE, or AEW, you'll see that they're wearing an earpiece. So they are are getting directions. Even if you watch wrestlers, you know, I, I believe there was communication between Al Snow and the referee, um, you know, telling them, you know, get in there and, and tell them to do this or don't do that or whatever the case may be. So a referee is really that kind of link between the producers and, and what's going on backstage with the talent in the ring. And, and obviously way back when, there wasn't someone talking in an earpiece, but they would have somebody come out and they would have pencils or they would do different hand cues or something to uh, convey that message to the referee. So the referee's not only listening or paying attention to who's talking to him or watching those visual cues coming, he's also maintaining or she is maintaining law and order in the ring and making sure that things are going the way that they're supposed to go. You know, and in in storyline terms, the referee's job is to control the match and make sure that no one is cheating or breaking the rules or, or doing that kind of thing, making that final three count. But the reality is, is, is that person is really there to make sure that the, the ship keeps sailing and that they don't go over on time or that the wrestlers continue on if they need to add time, they need to buy time for whatever reason. Um, and, and so the referee's role is critical. And how hard is it? I found it difficult because I didn't really know what exactly I was doing. Um, and even counting, and I did this when I refed a few matches in stride uh, for special guest things for part of the storyline. You know, that mat is hard when you're, you know, hitting down on it, you know, one, two, three. And there were nights that some referees like, you know, Lane Austin, uh, for example, Kevin McCleary, when, when I was with stride, there were some shows where they were the only referee that night. So it can become taxing and, 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 uh, exhausting all at the same time. So referees are, I think in, in today's day and age, uh, more underappreciated than they were back when I was growing up. You know, uh, the final part of Ken's question was who is the best referee? I, I always felt like Tommy Young, you know, in, in Jim Crockett promotions, uh, NWA, WCW, the early WCW days, um, you know, hands down, it was, it was Tommy Young. And over on the WWE side of things, um, you know, I always liked Dave Hebner. He was a solid referee or Earl Hebner. I'm sorry, pardon me. Um, you know, and they were a critical part. Dave and Earl Hebner were critical parts of that whole Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, Ted DiBiase angle back in 1988. One of the uh, still most widely talked about wrestling angles in the history. So I, I think that, uh, you know, just thinking of, of those guys, but I always liked Tim White and, uh, uh Joey Morella, who was the son of the late great Gorilla Monsoon, and Joey we lost almost 30 years ago in a car accident. So I thought he always uh, brought um, Charles Robinson was a great referee. Uh, Teddy Long, uh, before he became a manager, uh, he was refereeing. And then Danny Davis, which that turns into a storyline with him. So uh, back in the day, you could name all the referees on the roster. And, and these days, it's harder. AEW does more, I think, to recognize and acknowledge the referees than WWE does. I don't know outside of um, Charles Robinson, and I'm not even sure if he's still uh, active uh, as a referee, but 
I couldn't tell yet any other referees in WWE, but then of course in AEW you have Aubrey Edwards and Bryce Rimsburg. Um, and I, I think uh, Impact Wrestling, uh, the uh, one son of, of the Hebners, one or one of the Hebners was was refereeing, and I, his first name's escaping me, but it was he is a Hebner as well. So, anyway, long story short, referees are important and vital. Uh, to the development of a match, a storyline in some cases. So very important. And, and it is a, a hardworking uh, job in there. Ken also asks, what is the real reason for my love in air quotes of Nia Jax? So Chad always gives me a hard time, ribs me about Nia Jax. There are a handful of wrestlers that uh, are superstars when, when, when they come on or when I see them or hear them instant channel changer and Nia Jax for me for whatever reason is one of those and there was a point where I thought she was fine but then you know through the years I I, I personally I don't think she's safe I think she's dangerous in the ring uh, I think that uh, you know other than being kind of you know utilizing that size to her advantage there's nothing to her uh, I just I I I'm not a fan and I'll leave it at that because I, I do have a question coming up a little bit later about social media's role in wrestling. So we'll, we'll touch more on why I'm kind of holding back and, and not uh, saying more, but yeah, just never really resonated as a, as a fan of hers. And, and, you know, now that she's back, maybe things will change, but highly unlikely because there's rumors that, that Rhea Ripley was injured um, in that post-match attack a couple of weeks ago. So uh, I just have, have not uh, really resonated with her. So uh, let's see. He also asks about tag teams. Who, uh, What wrestlers were better as tag team wrestlers and what wrestlers were better uh, after leaving a tag team? And so I think I talked about this on the tag team episode a couple of months ago. Uh, I, I think probably one of the easiest answers to that question is, who was better as a tag team, it would be, uh, and when I say better, like as singles wrestlers, they joined up and, and formed a tag team. Um, it would have to be the New Age Outlaws, Billy Gunn and um, the Road Dog. You know, Brian James uh, had been the roadie. He was floundering after leaving and came back to the WWE uh, back in 96-ish uh, time period. Um, and Billy Gunn had been a part of the Smoking Guns, and then they broke him off. He was rockabilly with uh, Honky Tonk Man. And just really wasn't resonating, wasn't connecting with the crowd. Um, something was missing, and, and I think that those two guys then came together. And even in those early, couple early matches, I thought, uh, what, what's, what are they doing here? And then when they beat the Legion of Doom for the tag team titles, I was like, this is insane. And then it was like something caught on, and these guys were over, and... Uh, you know, I, I feel like both of their careers were uh, prolonged and enhanced. And, you know, Billy Gunn is still in the ring doing this at age 60 or, or nearly 60. So um, I definitely think that that's probably one of the biggest examples of two singles guys who came together as a tag team. Because I think sometimes we view tag team wrestling as a demotion uh, for talent, you know, that they've tried to put on, especially in the case of Billy Gunn, because they were trying something with him as a tag team wrestler and they were trying to do him as a single star. And I, I think Billy Gunn is just one of those guys that naturally fits better as part of a tag team and, and not uh, necessarily a singles guy. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, on the flip side, though, there are guys who their careers 
were better and 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 they were better served leaving their tag team. And I think the two gigantic examples of that are Brett the Hitman Hart and Shawn Michaels. You know, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty as the Rockers, uh, they date back to almost my early fandom days in, in the AWA when they were simply known as the Midnight Rockers. And I never would have imagined back in those days that Sean would, would break out and become such a star. And, and it's become a, 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 almost a joke of sorts in the wrestling world of who's the Janetti and who's the Michaels of, of, of a tag team. And um, not that Marty Janetti necessarily had a terrible career as a singles, but it did not even hold a candle to what Sean did. And so I definitely think that Sean is probably the most prolific and, and successful former tag team wrestler of all time. Uh, and then Bret Hart would, would be close behind him and, and, you know, his years with the Hart Foundation and then breaking off and, and becoming WWF champion and really kind of, I think, became one of the first tag team guys to carve out that niche of, of becoming a, a single star. And with Bret, I always found him interesting because he never really changed anything up. He had the same gear the whole time. He never, I, sometimes the color scheme would change a little bit, but it was that, that same uh, look, the pink and the black uh, that he had with the heart foundation with, with Jim Neidhart. And, and he maintained that look whereas Shawn Michaels kind of evolved a bit and went from the rocker neon to the black and white uh, leopard print and, and the heartbreak kid and, that evolution and 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 what he did there so but yeah two of two of the all-time greats uh as single stars you know and then sometimes later in life you know we get tag teams that are put together out of convenience i think um but edge and christian another one you know both of these guys excelled uh after leaving their tag you know the early tag teams jeff and matt hardy i think jeff hardy definitely uh, more successful than matt but definitely both very successful now i think uh, for me personally, I liked the Dudleys better as a tag team than I did Devon and Bubba Ray wrestling separately. Even as Bully Ray, I thought Bully Ray though did a great job. And you know, sometimes when you are without your partner, your longtime partner, you know, we saw this with Legion of Doom when Hawk passed away in 2003, leaving Animal, you know, for a long time, decades without you know someone. Uh, as a regular partner and they tried to do some things in WWE, I know, but I think that, um, you know, sometimes those guys kind of get stereotyped or, or typecasted as tag team wrestlers. And so nothing wrong with that by any means, but I, I do think that uh, it's also important to, to give these men and women an opportunity to break out like on the women's side, the iconics, I think that they were great uh, as a tag team and, and worked better as a tag team. Um, yeah, I would even say Shayna Baszler and, and Ronda Rousey before they split them up uh, were good. So another day, another debate over the women's division and, and tag team wrestling in that category in that sense. But uh, I, I want to thank Ken again for the great questions and, and I really do appreciate it. Uh, Dan Corley says, which WWE releases do you think will be pursued by AEW and who will have a successful run elsewhere? Um, you know, unfortunately we, we pretty much figured it would happen, you know, WWE officially now under the Endeavor umbrella and that merger with, with UFC, uh, I guess officially happening almost two weeks ago now. And, 
late last week, there were a lot of releases and, and some big names. Dolph Ziggler stands out to me as someone I did not think would ever end up on a chopping block. And then I read something else over the weekend that said that, you know, some of the recently released star superstars may be uh, brought back. Um, we saw it happen before with when Triple H kind of took over after Vince McMahon retired. Um, you know, if anyone were to come back, I'd love to see Dolph Ziggler come back. But, you know, let's face it. He was really he was that all utility player. He was that great guy that made everyone else look even better. And so I think that he is going to land on his feet. He is in, in his early 40s. He may choose to uh, wrestle less and, and do more stand up comedy, maybe pursue acting more. I think whatever he ends up doing, he's going to be successful. He's going to succeed. And if that means coming back to WWE and helping uh in some capacity, I could see that happening as well. But I think that, uh, you know, AEW would be foolish to not try to sign Dolph Ziggler. But I also caution AEW on, again, adding more talent. And, you know, I'm just a fan with an opinion. I don't have any real world experience with this. But, uh, you know, I think we have seen so many former WWE stars coming in and then either being shot out of a cannon immediately, but then quickly fizzling out or just kind of they they fall by the wayside. And I think that maybe with some new infrastructure internally with AEW, that some of this other talent may be utilized better. And that's where I know a lot of other podcasters have talked about as well with WWE layoffs. You know, if they're laying off marketing or if they're laying off travel coordinators or if they're laying off production folks, AEW would be smart to pick these people up and put them to work behind the scenes to improve. Because I think when it comes down to it, WWE is, is, you know, one of the greatest production values in all of entertainment. And so uh, if AEW could benefit from some of those releases, if they're happening, if, if that's coming down the pipeline, uh, they'd be much better off. So I, I don't think they need to gobble up a lot of the talent, but Obviously, you want to see people working and pursuing their dreams and doing what they want to do in this business. And as Matt Cardona said uh, via social media over the past couple of days, you know, this is not the end. Or in some cases, this is the beginning or a new beginning. And, and Matt Cardona, I think, personifies that uh, that getting out of the, the corporate umbrella of WWE and really excelling and shining and, and people dream and, and and fantasize about being that WWE superstar. And when that dream comes to an end, I know that's hard, but also it's, it's gotta be a, a breath of fresh air and, and maybe a sign of better things to come because maybe they can do a podcast now. Maybe they can do a toy line. Maybe they can do things, wrestle on the Indies, take their bookings when they want to take them, uh, pursue those other options and interests. So uh, before jumping into, uh, you know, line with AEW or jumping up with Impact Wrestling or New Japan or Ring of Honor, the other options that are out there, you know, it, it's time to, it's, it's a good thing sometimes to just kind of have those options. And, you know, a few years ago, they wouldn't have had that you know, with AEW. So, you know, some fans, uh, are quick to judge AEW, me being one of them as well. It is also nice that there is that alternative there for these men and women to have something to potentially fall back on. And again, I don't think AEW should take all and or even most of these released uh, superstars unless they have real plans. Taking them just to have them and then put them on YouTube or 
you know, now having them because wrestlers today aren't getting the reps that they used to get in the, you know, 80s, 90s, and even pre-pandemic time when there were multiple house shows and pay-per-views and TV tapings and all that. So we really uh, want to see everyone succeed and, and, and have good luck. Uh, Matt Riddle, you know, I've talked about him. I, I'll say it again. I would love to have him as a guest. I always enjoyed Riddle. I know that he was a little goofy and aloof um, and not everybody's cup of tea, but I thought he was good. And I could see him going elsewhere. I could see him getting into to back into mixed martial arts and UFC. I know he trains a lot with that already still uh, on his, his post on social media. So um, love to have him as a guest on the podcast. I, I reached out to him actually before I was able to secure Rob Van Dam for the, the podcast. Cause uh, the 420 episode last year, I I'd reached out to RVD several times and was getting nowhere with him. Uh, he would like my post or he would, you know, whatever, but he never confirmed that he, he was interested or would do it. And so I just on a whim messaged Matt Riddle and, and, you know, I never heard anything back obviously, but now that he's a free agent, maybe, you know, maybe he becomes a guest on the show sometime. Uh, I would love for that to happen, but, Again, I wish everybody the very best on on whether they stay in the business or if they pursue something else. Because, you know, being a WWE superstar, being a professional wrestler, it's not easy. And and having that experience of being on the big show and being in front of those crowds and and uh, wrestling on TV, it's great. And I would imagine that it it is a bit of a letdown and a and a setback when that goes away but i i encourage and, and hope that they all uh, pursue and, and find their passion and, and stay uh, do what they think is is best for them jason skull a good guy and a friend of mine that i've met through social media through actually listening to his previous podcast uh with his brother tom skull the uh Skullbuster wrestlecast i think i'm saying that right it's been a long time since i've said it that podcast went away a few years ago but uh, I, I think uh, they may be getting the band back together here, and I'm looking forward to that. But uh, Jason is one of those guys I've never met in person, but we have talked, and he's been on this podcast a couple of times. So uh, we're the same age, essentially. I am older, yes. Spoiler alert. Uh, I'll say it before Chad does. But uh, uh, I appreciate Jason's opinions and, and, and enjoy hearing from him on social media. And he asks about Magnum TA. Uh, had he not had the accident, what would have uh, his career looked like? And I, this was the one I talked about a minute ago about, uh, I say a minute ago, it's been several minutes ago now, uh, but I did a give me a minute on Magnum T and the accident and, uh, back in 1986. Uh, Magnum T.A. Was, was the brightest star in Jim Crockett promotions. You know, he was obviously being groomed to beat Ric Flair and, and win the uh, NWA World Heavyweight Championship. And uh, in October of that year, he was in a horrific car accident. Um, at, at one point, I think that uh, folks didn't even think that he would survive, that he would live, um, much less walk or even wrestle again. Um, and unfortunately, that became the case. He never was able to wrestle again. He stayed in, involved somewhat uh, with wrestling behind the scenes and then did some on-camera work. Um, in WCW when he was able to, but it wasn't anything consistent. I know that he is the stepfather of Tessa Blanchard. So, you know, there's that lineage there with, with Tully Blanchard and, and, and him. And, and of course now uh, I would imagine that he has imparted some 
fatherly advice to his stepdaughter on on the wrestling game and still would love to see Tessa Blanchard doing something in, in the world of wrestling, but uh, I digress. Um, but to me, I, I think that, and it's been talked about before, I think Magnum would have uh, won the championship at, at Starcade 86. Um, instead, you may remember that uh, Nikita Koloff turned face and ended up wrestling Ric Flair that night, did not win the championship. I, and I, I wonder, I don't know, I've heard Tony Schiavone's podcast before, I think they knew, I think they knew internally that, that Magnum was not going to wrestle again, but they talked optimistically that he would. And I wonder if the decision was kind of made to not put the belt on, on Mag or on uh, Nikita Koloff in hopes that maybe Magnum TA would, would come back. But uh, because it's very interesting when, when Ric Flair lost the championship in that summer of 86 to Dusty Rhodes at the great American bash. And then, won it back pretty quickly then dusty or i'm sorry rick flair held on to the belt for almost a year or just over a year um didn't lose it again until uh the summer of 87 or september of 87 when he wrestled ron garvin um but i think magnum ta would have obviously been a better champion than ron garvin and that's no disrespect and i'm, I'm not knocking ron garvin but i think had he not been had magnum not been in that accident we don't see a ronnie garvin uh heavyweight championship run i think that magnum would have kind of been that torchbearer on the babyface side as dusty was kind of getting older and eventually he left and, and went to the wwf and then uh you know through the the merger or the purchase by uh ted turner and and the wcw years uh i almost feel like with magnum at the top i wonder also then what would have become of sting would he have had the impact that he had had magnum been uh, that solid baby face. But, you know, Jim Crockett Promotions also was always notorious for being that heel territory where Flair was always the champion and would lose the belt for, you know, a couple of months, maybe half a year. And then he was always winning it back. So I don't think that Magnum would have been the guy to be the champion long term or forever. I think that there probably could have been a couple of title runs for Magnum T.A., but I also think that Magnum ends up going to the WWF eventually at some point. You know, we saw it with Ric Flair. We saw it with Harley Race. We saw it with Lex Luger and Dusty Rhodes. They all, with the exception of maybe Nikita Koloff and Sting, they all ended up in the WWF. Even Ronnie Garvin, Barry Windham, uh, Mike Rotundo, you know, all these stalwarts of, of Crockett promotions and, 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 and WCW end up going to the WWF at some point. And I think Magnum would have as well. And I think that they probably would have done some changes, radical change, not maybe not radical, but I think that they would have changed him a bit uh, in the WWF. Um, I don't know what kind of gimmick they would have given him. I think they would have stra uh, scrapped the Magnum TA name probably because, you know, Magnum TA was named after, uh, a popular TV show in the eighties called Magnum PI. And that show was still kind of at its peak when Magnum got injured. So I wonder once that show went away, would Magnum TA himself changed his name? And I know that the many years later he has stayed with that name, but he wasn't, he hasn't been wrestling. So I, I, I often wonder would the Magnum TA name changed even, even 
had he stayed with Jim Crockett Promotions and would he have just become Terry Allen and, and had some sort of nickname to go along with that. Um, but again, a ton of potential there. I would have loved to have seen him maybe come to the WWF um, when things were kind of in that downward spiral. Um, you know, maybe he rolls in, in in early 90s and is part of that, you know, when, when Vince was trying to take the uh, Hulk Hogan, you know, super bodybuilder images and looks off and kind of put Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels out there. I think Magnum TA would have hung with those guys and we would have had some great matches with Magnum TA and Bret Hart or Magnum TA and, and Shawn Michaels. I think that uh, there was a lot of potential there and I think that he would have gone to the WWF Maybe not as WWF champion, but definitely an IC title run for sure. I could have seen that happening. Um, kind of uh, a Ricky Steamboat type baby face figure in the WWF. Um, I think he could have also pulled off playing a heel at some point. Uh, you know, we, we will never truly know because he got injured so early into his career. I think he was only wrestling about six years when he got injured. So um, I think Magnum TA is, if he's not the biggest what if story in pro wrestling, he has got to be in that top three or four um, of, of what ifs. So uh, great question. And I think again, tons of potential there and, and the possibilities were endless with what we could have seen with Magnum TA and, and he'd still be around. Uh, I, I think he'd be either with AEW or, or WWE in a coaching or, or producing role, mentoring, um, and, and doing that kind of thing as well. But I think his, his injuries and, and whatnot have prohibited him from, from being as active as, as he would like to be uh, in wrestling. Jason's other question is, what are my personal thoughts on social media's role in the wrestling business and the wrestling community? And this is where I was kind of holding back on the Nia Jack stuff, because I do think that there are content creators out there. Listen, I've been doing this, uh, the My One Two Three Cents brand developed 13 years ago. The podcast has been around for nine years, almost nine years. The YouTube channel is just as old as, as the blog, a couple months, you know, less than, but all in all, been plugging away at this for 13 years and never have like broken out and, and, you know, gone viral or, or had anything, you know, Matt, you know, the podcast have loyal listeners and I, and I'm grateful and appreciative that the YouTube channel has subscribers still trying to get to that thousand subscriber mark, which, you know, there are YouTube channels that have millions of subscribers or hundreds of thousands and, and even some independent ones. And that's where I'm kind of going with this is, Chad and I joke about this, or sometimes we don't joke about it. And, and Chad says, you know, you need to go negative and you need to be like this guy or that guy and 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 put those things out there. And that's just not in my character. I, you know, if I ever did anything else in wrestling, I could never play that heel role because I just, I, 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 I mean, I can be a dick. I've been told that I'm a dick, but I, I don't feel like it comes off, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I guess, known more as, as the nice guy. And so I've always kind of kept everything for the most part positive here. Now, when I was writing the blog, there were some times where I got a little off the course and was critical, more critical of things. But I try to, you know, remember that wrestling is subjective, creative is subjective. We are all into and, and resonate towards different things. And, and not everything that is out there, we're going to all like or love or, or want to uh, see. So 
it becomes a bit of a double-edged sword. You know, do I go negative on social media? Um, you know, one thing that drives me crazy is seeing the negative headlines. You know, I did a podcast a few weeks ago about Sunny and and her downfall and and how people were making memes and making jokes about it. And, and in those instances, I think social media is negative and is hurtful toward the product, toward the business. I think social media is great in connecting and bringing people together. For example, I would have never known Jason Skull without social media and listening to his podcast and then connecting with he and his brother through social media. So in that instance, yeah, I'm going to say that's a positive. Uh, even Bob Schulte, you know, becoming friends with him on social media. So building those relationships amongst wrestling fans and, and that community is a positive part of it. But, you know, again, that negative part of the scrutiny or the the general meanness, the nastiness. You can go through wrestling Twitter and, you know, somebody posts something positive about AEW and then they get attacked or somebody poses something positive about WWE and they get attacked. So this, this us against them or this, uh, you know, you can only like one company and not the other. That stuff is, is crazy and, and silly. And, and, you know, just, try to be better people and, and be happier. And, and, you know, we vent our frustrations on social media and sometimes I, I type out something nasty or negative and then I delete it because it's like, you know, what's this going to accomplish? But maybe I should, maybe it would get me more views. Maybe it would get me more likes. Maybe it would get me uh, to that thousand subscribers on, on YouTube, which is what I'm really uh, aiming to do. And, and hopefully, hopefully going to be able to do before the end of the year. But um you know, I'm, I'm going to continue to build content that I am competent in, that I support and trust and like, um, and, you know, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I think in general, social media can be a good thing. Uh, but then again, when we get into these jerks that post spoilers, you know, I, my, I send it to chat all the time and, and, and to Tyler, you know, I'll take a screenshot of an article and it's, you know, when they want you to do the, you know, when they're doing the clickbait and they, and they know what they're doing, they're very smart in that regard. They know what they're doing. They're getting those clicks, but they'll say, you know, something about a superstar that has a dropped a, a uh, ex explicit photo on, on social media. And then you got to click their article to then read that. But these same jerk offs will post, you know, Randy Orton spotted at performance center and it's like, it kills any kind of anticipation or surprise for when Randy Orton does make his return to the ring. So something else, fun fact about Randy Orton and social media, I saw on Facebook the other day, and this blew my mind. I shared this on the Facebook group. So if you haven't already joined the Facebook group, the four members of evolution, triple H, Batista, Randy Orton, and Ric Flair, Ric Flair has had the most recent match back in July of 2022 uh, when he wrestled in Ric Flair's last match. That blows my mind because Randy Orton has been out since May of 22 with his injury. Uh, Batista, of course, we saw him wrestle last in 2019 and Triple H, I think uh, maybe around that same time, around the pandemic, maybe before the pandemic. So uh, it's crazy to think of, of, of that. But uh, the guy that's uh, in his mid-70s is the one that has had the most recent match. But... That's a positive about social media. It, it gives you fun little facts. And I was able to fact check that and verify it. Others don't always do that. So again, I say facts on wrestling, double check and, and make sure the folks are telling you the truth. So 
I've rambled enough this week. I think that uh, we got some good questions and and hopefully you thought some good answers. And I look forward to uh, hearing from you on social media, of course, because that's where we're at. You know, we can we can connect and talk uh, on Snapchat, on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, on LinkedIn or Twitter or X now, um, TikTok, of course, as well. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the world of professional wrestling, where things are, um, and uh, has social media impacted your fandom? You know, it, it has helped me in some ways where I cut the cord with cable, so I'm not watching live every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday, um, but I can scroll through that social media feed and get those quick little bites and those quick little uh, nuggets of information. So that's another uh, check mark of positive for social media in the world of professional wrestling. But again, let's be nicer to each other and 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 uh, be better people in general, I think. And, and that'll go a long way. So friends, thank you for watching and or listening to this week's episode. We will talk again next week. Have a great week. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery